0: Hello friends, I'm Katherine Boyle, host of this week's podcast episode. Dr. Lamar Hardwick is a name familiar to many in our audience. He's known online as Autism Pastor, and he's a longtime friend and supporter of Key Ministry. Lamar's latest book, How Ableism Fuels Racism, was just released on February 20th. Recently, I had a chance to talk with Lamar about this book, and I'm sharing that conversation with you in today's podcast. One quick thing. If you're listening in February 2024, Disability in the Church 2024 early bird ticket prices end on February 29th. Register to get the best ticket prices on or before that date. And now onto the episode. Well, hi there, this is Katherine Boyle for Key Ministry, the podcast. I'm your host this week, and it's always a treat for me when I get to have a guest on. And today, I get to welcome somebody who may be familiar to you if you are familiar with Key Ministry, and that is uh, my colleague, uh, Pastor Lamar Hardwick. He uh, he's known online as the Autism Pastor. He's a key ministry board member, and he's a longtime ministry colleague. And And fun fact, um, Lamar, you may not remember, but the first time you and I met in person was at the key ministry conference in 2018. And mm-hmm. I was really nervous to go say hello to you, but you were very nice. So <laughs> anyway, so welcome today, Lamar.
1: Thank you. Uh, just for the record, I was probably more nervous than you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you didn't show it, and hopefully I didn't too badly either. Well, it is a treat to have you here, and normally we have people on when they have something to share, and that is certainly the case today. Um, By the time this podcast comes out, you will have a new book that will have been released on Mm -hmm. February 20th, 2024, Um, and uh, we will be linking to everything we talk about in the show notes, by the way, Um, and the title of this book is How Ableism Fuels Racism. Um, Did I get that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And you have a good subtitle in there too. Would, would you mind sharing that as well?
1: Yeah, It's uh, dismantling the hierarchy of bodies in the church.
0: Okay. Now, I think that is a very intriguing title. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I, I am always very curious about the backstory behind, you know, books and how they came about and, and, you know, the, kind of the why the kind behind the book. So what is your why for this book? You know, was it, One thing, a combination of things, you know, I'll stop talking now.
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Um, You know, back in the summer of 2020, we saw um, a lot of things happening in our country. We were exposed to a lot of things like the situation with George Floyd. Um, There was a really big case here in Georgia where I live with a young man named Ahmaud Arbery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also another case of a, a young uh, autistic black man named Elijah McClain in Aurora, Colorado. And so um, one of the things that I had been working on, even um, from my last book disability in the church, I sort of uh, lightly introduced the concept that ableism and racism are linked together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to, especially with the church um, rightfully so, taking a bigger stance on some of those issues after the summer of 2020 is to help us to see that there's some underlining issues with uh, race in our country that we haven't really addressed, and that is um, that it is has been historically, theologically, and legally connected to disability um and so as someone who is and uh, you know this as we have worked together as colleagues at becoming more helping churches become more inclusive of families with disability i thought you know this is a perfect time to introduce um this this issue because we are champions for helping the church to become more inclusive of persons with disabilities but we also need to Understand that disability historically, theologically and even legally has been used uh, to sort of prop up some of our past in this country that um, we're also trying to undo when it comes to race. And so um, I thought it was just a perfect time to introduce that topic Uh um, and to bring along the people that I've been working with in disability ministry to say these things kind of go together. And the work that we're doing can also have an impact in other areas as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that is really, um, you know, just kind of a, a fascinating insight. And, and I mean, you know, not to puff you up too much, but I love that about you because, you know, you do bring a lot of insights to things um, that, you know, are are. I think, not being spoken by a lot of other people. And so, you know, I always really appreciate reading and hearing what you have to say. Um, And so you just mentioned that, you know, that this hierarchy of bodies, you know, that's kind of one of the main tenets of this book and and that it's had a really negative impact on the church. And Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, the the church has been a very large part of our culture. So tell us what you mean by hierarchy of bodies. I mean, I have an image of what that is, but I'm not sure that that's exactly what, you know, what you're trying to communicate. So I want to hear what you have to say.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Good question. So I think the simplest way to explain it is that there's sort of this invisible caste system. Uh, Within our country and even within uh, the Western church over the years where there is a hierarchy based on uh, what is considered a quote unquote normal body. And so you would have um, starting from early Puritan theology, there are ideas about what it meant to be able bodied. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the closer you were to the center of some of those ideas, um, the higher up the caste system you became and so Mm -hmm. um you know very early on when settlers came to this country two things were of primary importance in establishing that hierarchy and that was um they wanted to create a system um where it was about family um and farming and so very early on um definitions of of able-bodiedness surrounded around those concepts and so Even very early on, women who were unable to bear children were considered disabled because they couldn't contribute Mm -hmm. to the Mm -hmm. goals of family and then also bodies uh, that could help with the economic goals of settling in a new world as far as farming. And so we started to see very early on this hierarchy form that um, sort of lifted those up to a certain status within um, the building of this new nation. And then the further away you got from those ideals – the more "quote unquote" disabled you were considered mm-hmm. to be,
0: right, right, yeah, that's um, you know, again, very incredibly insightful. Um, and I think it, it's really easy to see how you know, in particular, when you know you're you're struggling to survive, how that can come about, but also, um, scripture, you know, s- scripture obviously supports family but Mm -hmm. it also supports the least of these. And there's so many examples of that. And then you also talk about in the book about the concept of Jesus as a disabled God. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that really resonates with me because a long time ago I was having some health issues and, and, uh, you know, the multiple sclerosis was ruled out. Thank, thank the Lord. Um, but you know, at the time I, I learned that, you know, it, Multiple sclerosis means many scars, and Jesus is the God of many scars, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that many people after his resurrection saw, you know, that his body bore the scars of crucifixion. So do you think, or how do you think the church can change their view about this hierarchy of bodies um, by seeing Jesus the way that he bodily is, you know, not not only after the resurrection, but today as Mm -hmm. well?
1: Yeah, and that's a great concept that um, Dr. Nancy Eastland, uh, in her book *The Disabled God*, years ago, uh, talked about that. So many disability theologians sort of, you know, sort of a, attached our, our work to that and and started it further. And that's definitely something I did, uh, but want to give credit to her, sure, uh, the late Dr. Nancy Eastland, uh, who was a professor at my seminary uh, when I attended there. And so, uh, you know, when you look at the actual post resurrection body of Jesus and if you learn what a real roman crucifixion would have looked like not necessarily some of the sanitized versions and pictures that we've seen um if those uh wounds were definitely not healed which you know he he invites thomas to put his hand inside those wounds right uh, then th- those things would have physically disabled jesus like uh one of the things i talk about in disability in the church is um, the the spikes would have actually been driven somewhere around the Achilles tendon and not just the foot, which would have severed it. And I've torn my Achilles tendon uh, and had it surgically repaired, and I still don't walk right. And yeah, so
0: that's a brutal injury.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, if you think about the post-resurrection body of Jesus, one of the things that I share is that uh, it's an amazing ideal and amazing image because we serve a God who reverses death, but retains disability. And so Uh Uh um, the image there is important because, you know, with religious systems, images are what gives us a tangible way to connect with the intangible God. And so what you see in the post-resurrection body of Jesus is a God who eternally identifies himself with uh, the conditions of the human plight, which is human limitation, And and he decides, um, this is Jesus' decision, right? This is the same body who can walk through walls, yet (laughs) he decides to leave these uh, disabling marks, and he decides that that's the way for which he will be eternally identified. You see that even in Revelation. And so I think what it speaks to us is it gives us an image of a God who... who commits to solidarity with the human experience, right? Mm-hmm. From human limitation all the way through any other type of thing that humanity has to suffer through. And that includes uh disability. So Jesus being the disabled God provides us with an image that says that God, through his uh through giving us Jesus through the the resurrection, has eternally made solidarity with human beings and with the physical and material conditions that we have to experience until we get to the other side. And that, to me, is a beautiful image of God who commits to be in solidarity with us, that who could have erased right. all the marks of his human experience, got rid of them and just decided right. to to present us with the perfect body post-resurrection. But he decides, I, I want to show solidarity to the human experience. And so I'm going to leave these marks and allow this to be how I'm identified for eternally. And that is a beautiful picture. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that who commits right. to being in solidarity with, with human beings.
0: Yeah. And, and it's such a contrast to, um, you know, if you, if you look at like uh, the, the mythology, you know, the Roman mythology, um, you know, the, the alternate gods, if you will, um mm-hmm. Uh, of ancient days and maybe current days too, you know, we, we tend to think of those gods as like superheroes, like, you Mm know, any perfect, uh, physical specimens and, and God chose not to do that. So, um, yeah, that, that is just a lovely, lovely picture of the character of the God that we serve, right. Mm -hmm. Of who he is. So, um, you know, all of this that we're talking about really gets to that that people generally, and, and maybe even the church specifically, are uncomfortable with bodies of people that are physically different than theirs. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I think of this as like the othering, you right. know, like making somebody an other apart from me. So, and this is just an opinion. I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, this is something that you even addressed in your book, but but what do you think reveals about a person's relationship with Christ, if that's, you know, if, if they have this really high level of discomfort with somebody whose body is different from theirs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think first is important to just kind of acknowledge. I think that is part of our human experience, part of um, what has happened as a result of sin. There's a distortion, right? Like one mm-hmm. of the things I talk about is um, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they suddenly had an adversarial relationship with their own bodies. Right. They wanted to cover themselves up Um, prior to that. They were pretty comfortable walking around and, you know, being naked and not concerned about, you know, what their bodies look like and how they function. And so I think the first thing is that that's sort of a, a natural result of the fall is to be uncomfortable with, with bodies that are different. But I also think that uh, it speaks to what we just talked about is that we have, um, often been taught not to have a complete understanding of what it means to reflect the image of God, mm-hmm. right? And right. so by introducing the concept of Jesus as a disabled God, we give ourselves permission to widen our understanding of what it means to be image bearers. And that means that um, human limitation and and imperfection uh, are not off limits to being able to be displayers of God's image,
0: mm-hmm. Right. Right. And
1: and so when we understand that, we become less and less uncomfortable with bodies that look different or function different because we realize that those disabilities are not distractions from being able to display the image of God. right? Right. And so I think it's important that the reason why we do this theological work is to give us the permission to sort of untangle and unravel some of those unhealthy ways that we've been taught to view the image of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, to look at jesus as you know a real human being in history and part of
0: right
1: part of him remaining to um retaining the marks is to remind us that this happened in human history this is a real person who walked around and so we can look to uh that image uh even in revelation it says that even though he was mortally wounded, he still stands and was the only one able to open the seal, right? And Mm so
0: um,
1: even even in uh, him retaining the marks of human limitation, he's still worthy. And I think Mm -hmm. uh, for us to sort of unravel that, we look at how we can also be image bearers and through Christ, not through our own work, but through Christ, we are also worthy um, to bear the image of God, despite the human limitations and imperfections that our bodies have to contend with on this side of heaven
0: right yeah and it's um you know it really gets to the uh you know does every person have a purpose in god's kingdom you know mm-hmm. absolutely if they're you know if they if they exist they are made in god's image and um you know that's that's part of this great work that we're all part of in kind of the disability and mental health ministry space mm-hmm. so um So, well, as you know, our listening audience is mostly made up of families impacted by disabilities or ministry leaders who are supporting, including, you know, doing ministry with these families as vital parts of their churches. So if you could, um, just would appreciate if you could leave the listeners with just, you know, a couple of really main points from the book that they can apply in their families or churches today.
1: Yeah, one, I think if I would give one Um, It's a chapter early on in the book where I talk about um, desirability and how um, God doesn't show his love for us by simply tolerating us or putting up with us, but he desires Uh us. Right. Uh And one of the things that I talk about very early on is I think that the church um, needs to move toward desiring to be in relationship with the disability community and not just trying to create space, which is needed. Um, But there is an avid pursuit. Um, And in that pursuit, there is this recalibration of what it means to be beautiful, what it means to be image bearers, uh, and what it means to be desired in the same way that God desires us. And so um, there's all sorts of other things that I talk about in the book, but I think very early on, I wanted to establish that as um, a foundation for the book that while I'm talking about ableism and racism and how uh, ableism fuels that, I want us to um, really take the position that God takes and that is to pursue and to desire uh-huh. and to recalibrate our definitions of beauty and see uh-huh. uh, the image of God and, and all of those that he's created and and to want to be around them and want them to want to be around us more than just as a project. Yes. Uh, Nobody wants just, to
0: be your project. No,
1: yeah. Right. And so it, it's, it's um something that I think once you read that chapter, it helps to shape everything else that I'm going to say about ableism and mm-hmm. race is that God desires us and we should desire the others in the same way that God pursues us. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that is just uh so insightful. And just, you know, I, I, I love that because, you know, we don't speaking for myself, you know, you don't really, I don't have anything to offer God, you know, but he Mm -hmm. desires me anyway. And the same is true for everyone else. I mean, you know, God creates the universe, you know, what can we do? Not a whole lot. So, um, so it, it, it doesn't, um, make a lot of sense that he would want us to be in fellowship with him, but yet he does, because Mm -hmm. he wants, he wants a family, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, you know, and, um, And he makes space for everybody to be part of that family. So, Mm -hmm. so Lamar, I just thank you so much for this time and just, you know, given a, just a little taste of this book to our audience. I just, I'm really excited about it for you. Um, we will have links in the show notes to, um, to your website, to, you know, autism Taster, um, and you know, other places where people can find the books, but, um, I also wanted to let everybody know who's listening that uh, Lamar is going to be speaking for us at Disability in the Church 2024. Mm -hmm. That's May 1st through 3rd in Orlando this year. Um, You can check it out on the key ministry website. Um, And I think if you haven't gotten the book by then, you'll probably be able to get the book at the conference as well. So, um, but I just, you know, encourage you go ahead and sign up for the conference if, if you're interested in coming and, um, get to hear more about the book, you know, more from Lamar and um, and get a lot of other great content too. So Lamar, thank you so much for your time today. I just really appreciate you as a, as a, a colleague and a friend. And um, just thank you so much for sharing about this book today. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again really soon.
1: Well, right. Thanks for having me.
0: Yep. So for Key Ministry, the podcast, I'm Catherine Boyle. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you're like me, many things Lamar said resonate deeply, including the hierarchy of bodies and the reality of Jesus' own resurrected body. These concepts and Lamar's insights make this a valuable read, particularly for people working in disability ministry. If you want to get this book, follow the links on the website with the promo code ableism24 to get the best discount from the publisher. This discount is available from now until May 1st, 2024. And again, hurry to register for DATC 2024 by February 29th to get our lowest ticket prices. One last thing, you can help this podcast grow and reach more people by giving us a five-star review and sharing with your friends. Thanks for listening to Key Ministry, the podcast.